Hey everyone, it's Michelle. Welcome to the Just Michelle Talking Podcast. I have some sad news for you all, which is that today is the last episode for this season. Not forever. I'm having such a freaking good time. I'm totally not ending this podcast, but it's time for this season to end, mostly because I want to take a little bit of time off over the new year period and yeah, regroup a little bit like I talked about last episode, right? It's time to regroup, kind of work out what I want to talk about next season. But my intent is to come back to you all probably in February with some brand new episodes once a week. And we're just going to keep on talking. Well, I'm going to keep on talking anyway. I think next year is going to be really interesting one for me. I'm going back to university which is super exciting. For those of you who've been listening for a while, I applied, I got in, I'm really excited about that. So that's like massively terrifying and massively awesome. So I'm going to take about six weeks off and just breathe a little bit and see how life kind of goes. And then I will be back next year. I'm actually pretty excited about next year. I've already been writing down lots of topics about what I want to talk about. For example, I want to talk about things I don't understand, which by the way are many and varied, but I want to talk about this like in a more humorous point of view. Like, for example, I don't understand why millennials are so afraid of talking on the phone. Is it because they have no practice? Is it because they just like lost the art of speaking? What is the deal with young people who are terrified of making phone calls? Like, I, I don't understand this. And like, there's like, there's like a whole long list of like stuff I do not understand. I don't understand celebrities who pimp their kids on social media. Like, do you not want some privacy in your life? Like your whole life is out there for the world to see. Do you, do you not want some privacy? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't, this is a concept I don't get, right? Also, I don't get people who wear makeup in such a, um, kind of dogmatic fashion that's not the right word but let's go with it where like their partners have never seen them without makeup who's got time for that i, I don't understand anyway so there's a whole bunch of things that i don't understand and i think we should have a whole episode about like random stuff michelle just doesn't get and maybe you all can explain it to me i also really want to have an episode about grief and moving through grief and what what that's like not just for me but for other people and i want to talk about that i also want to write uh right I speak. I don't write. This is not called just Michelle writing, for God's sakes. Anyway, I want to do an episode about that meditation uh, mantra that I tell you at the end about being happy, healthy, safe, and at peace. I want to talk about what that means. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? When we say, you know, may you be at peace, what does that mean to be at peace? When we say, may you be happy, what does that mean to be happy? So you know, I want to do an episode about that and talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about the big life changes that big life uh, decisions bring and some of my experiences with making some big life changes and doing things while I feel scared. Oh my gosh, I want to talk about friendship. That's a really big one for me as somebody who's lived away from home for most of her life. I moved out of home at 17. Uh, my friends have become my family in a really big way and, and they disappoint you and excite you in the same way that family does. So I want to talk about friendship and lessons I've learned about friendship. Oh, I want to talk about marriage and relationships. I want to talk about like just some random funny stuff. I want to tell you stories about me and my life and my kids and my job and my home and the people I love. And I just want to keep this conversation going. The overwhelming, 
and I mean overwhelming feedback I'm getting is that this feels like you're hanging out with me, Michelle. This feels like we're having a conversation, just like you're here for a coffee and we're just, we're just hanging out. And I've had amazing reports about people taking me walking and people listening to me on their way to work and people, you know, decorating cakes and listening or whatever it is they're doing. And that is such a great honor to be allowed into your life. And so I want to talk about things of value, but I also want to talk about things that are a little bit fun. And essentially, I'm just going to keep talking and, and see what happens. And maybe it'll lead somewhere and maybe it won't. I've also read an interesting book recently that I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about because I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I kind of vary between wanting to applaud the author and wanting to punch her, which is a funny expression because I've never punched anybody in my life and I don't really condone violence, but that's a whole other story. So I feel like we're just going to carry on this conversation and see where it leads us. If there's something that you want to know, please feel free to get in touch. And as usual, if you can leave a review on your podcast app or on Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate that. Because let's, let's spread the love around here. Let, let's tell everybody about Just Michelle Talking. I didn't start this podcast with any great intention other than to unravel the thoughts in my head and share them with other people. Yeah. And to do that whole, like, I'm not a life coach thing in a bigger and, and grander way, because I'm not a life coach. I'm just a lady who's figuring out life as each day goes by and hoping it works out for the end. Right? Isn't that what all of us are doing? Just kind of like hoping it all works out. I mean, honestly. So today I thought I'd give you the second half of the list of things I have learned up until the ripe old age of nearly 45, which is happening a little later in the month. And some of these are just random stuff that appear in my head. Some of these are things I've touched on in earlier episodes. I should say, by the way, I have a terrible memory, like really terrible. And because these podcasts are not scripted other than the odd occasional bit of notes somewhere, I often forget what I've talked about in earlier episodes. And I often forget that I've made a point before or told you a story before. It's like, you know, the grandma who's like, yes, grandma, we heard that story before. It's a little bit like that with me. So apologies in advance if you're hearing something that I've previously mentioned, except the reminder I want to give you is that when somebody repeats something over and over again, it's because they either haven't resolved it for themselves or they feel they haven't been heard. Sometimes for me, if I repeat something over and over, it's not necessarily that I haven't resolved it for myself or haven't been heard. It's that it's so important to me. I want to make sure I say it over and over. There are certain lessons I've told my kids where they're like, yes, yes, we know, we know. But that's because I think they're the things we should listen to, you know, the things we should remind, we do well to remind ourselves of, yeah? So, yeah. If you have a friend that keeps repeating the same thing over and over again, try saying, I hear you. Thanks for sharing that. I hear you. The phrase, I hear you, is an incredible, incredibly powerful one that works really, really well. I don't necessarily agree with you. I don't necessarily like you. I don't necessarily whatever you, but I hear you. And I think that that's really important. So, okay, let's carry on with the list of things Michelle has learned before her birthday. Away we go. So, Last time I left you, I was talking about leggings and how they don't look good on anybody. Sorry, but I'm sticking by that. They seriously do not look good on anybody. The next one's a bit more serious than that, which is, this is a quote that I've read that I'm pretty sure I've mentioned here on the podcast before, which is that apology without a change in behavior is manipulation. This is a super big one for me. We allow people to treat us a certain way by not asserting our boundaries in the first place or asserting them and not upholding them as time goes on. 
So when we continually allow somebody to do things we don't like and we don't assert our boundaries and we don't uphold them, we are at fault. We have allowed that behavior. However, if somebody keeps behaving in a certain way and then just keeps apologizing after the fact and they don't change anything about their behavior, they're manipulating us. They're basically saying, no, you're just going to keep bending to my will. And in that case, we might have asserted our boundaries, but we didn't uphold them because we let them keep coming back and back and back. Sometimes there's reasons for that beyond our control. So if I can be super vulnerable here for a minute, my ex-husband, while a perfectly nice guy, leads his life in a way that he asks for forgiveness. He doesn't ask for permission. So he does something kind of sucky. And then he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then doesn't change his behavior. And I do think he is manipulating me to a degree. However, I also have the good mental health of my children and their relationship with him, which is all very positive and good for all of us for the most part. And I'd like to maintain that. So in that example, he is absolutely manipulating by apologizing and not changing behavior. By the way, I've told him this to his face. So in case he's listening, hi, you already know this. But where that's an interesting one for me is I've asserted my boundaries multiple times and I've tried to uphold them multiple times and I fail. Now, the fact that he can keep doing jerky things, I have no control over. But remember, we talked about this earlier. I'm not at fault for those jerky things, but I'm responsible for the outcome of those because I have the good health of myself and my kids to look after. So it's a reminder that people who keep saying, oh, sorry, and doing it anyway, oh, sorry, and doing it anyway, oh, sorry, and doing it anyway, we have not probably asserted and kept our boundaries and we have allowed them to treat us in a certain way. I think, by the way, the best solution for those relationships, because it is usually personal relationships more than work ones, is to walk away from those. But that's not always possible, as in the case of my mine. So just remember that. People who keep saying sorry but making no change, yeah, they're just, you're being suckered in. Right. The more you avoid something, the bigger a problem it becomes in your head. Oh, my Lord. Whoa, have I learned this lesson like 70,000 times. The number of times I need to talk to somebody about something, but I'm worried about their reaction or I've projected what I think their reaction is going to be on them. And so I've avoided the conversation. That small annoyance grows and grows and grows and grows and grows to become a gigantor problem. This is sort of like why send 300 texts when you can, where there's no tone of voice when you can just pick up the phone and make a phone call. By letting it be 300 texts with no tone of voice and so there's lots of misunderstanding, you've turned that into a really big problem, right? Where it didn't need to be. So I have learned without a shadow of a doubt that the more you avoid something, the bigger a problem it becomes. This is true for a lot of stuff, by the way. Filling out financial paperwork, writing that book you said you were going to write, starting to exercise, anything you avoid becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in your head until it becomes almost insurmountable. So don't let stuff fester too much, eh? Get stuck in there, yeah? On that kind of same idea that think problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. You can solve problems in a, in a fairly simplistic kind of way, which is that a lot in life can be solved with warm socks and warm tea and a warm bed 
and sometimes all three of those together, sometimes those one by one. Those warmth, like actual physical warmth, can often soothe a soul and can really can, if not cure, at least lessen the impact of a lot of ailments, both emotional and physical, right? Let, let's think about those things. Warm socks make you feel cozy and comfortable and protected, right? Warm tea tastes nice. If like me, you have like solidly half a pound of sugar in there, uh, but it tastes nice. It's, it's warmth in your hands that you're cradling as you hold the cup. It's, you know, it just feels nice. It smells nice. So there's an aromatherapy thing on that as well. And a warm bed, a warm bed is safe and comfortable, hopefully, and you know, protective in its own way. And it's quiet in there quite often, right? So it sounds funny, but I think a lot of your soul can be soothed by the warm socks, warm tea and a warm bed. And I realize that saying this makes me sound like a lady who is 10 squillion freaking years old, but I truly think that there's something to be said for warmth, right? You know, there's a reason why heating pads exist, and, you know, wheat packs and all that kind of stuff. There is, there is a certain curing or healing or soothing element to heat. And I think that that's a really good one. I think it's why hugs work too, right? Because between yourselves, you're creating that, that warmth, right? That emotional as well as physical warmth. My mom used to say, anytime I suffered from any ailment at all, my mother's answer always used to be, which is Hebrew for wear a sweater. Like literally, mom, I have a headache. Mom, feel good. Like every answer to everything was wear a sweater. And, you know, as a young person, I was like, this is the most useless advice in the world. As a person of my age now, I'm like, maybe she was onto something. <laughs> we all need to on like a certain level, right? It's, it's really all about, yeah, just give yourself that little bit of warmth, eh? Maybe it's also the time you give yourself to put the socks on and to brew the tea and to jump into the bed. Maybe it's about that too. I don't know. The next one is that nobody knows what goes on in a relationship other than the two people in it, even if one or both of those people tell others what is going on in excruciating detail. In any relationship between two people, the truth only lies between those two people. Even if one of them goes off and tells their best friends every single last detail, they're telling that detail with their own filter. They're telling that detail that doesn't expose their own shortcomings or failings. You know, you meet these couples that you're like, oh my God, Susan and James or Susan and Sarah, or whatever, they're the most perfect couple in the world. They're amazing. And then you hear that they're getting divorced and you're like, wait, what? What? Not you guys. You guys were perfect. It doesn't matter what you see on the outside. The truth in a relationship only ever lies between those two people, regardless of how much information they have provided the rest of the world. I think this applies not only to romantic relationships, but also friendships. And we're going to talk about friendships, I think. I think that's a really big topic. It's a big topic for me, yeah? Having hard conversations is so freaking hard, but so freaking worth it. The number of times I regretted not having a conversation far outweighs the number of times I regretted having a hard conversation, right? Having hard conversations relieves a lot of stress and a lot of emotion that you have got bottled up in your head, right? That whole thing about 
problems in your head become bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wanted to give you a couple of tips for how to have hard conversations because I'm a really big believer in having them. And by the way, a hard conversation I would classify as a topic you don't willingly want to talk about but needs you to talk about. So it's, it's hard because it's scary for you or it's hard because it's an uncomfortable topic for you or it's hard because you know it's going to disappoint the other person. I guess I would classify a hard conversation as something that carries emotional weight and potentially impact. That would probably be my definition. And I just made that up on the spot and I think it's true. Someone have to write that down. So I wanted to give you a couple of, couple of tips to having hard conversations because I think that they're really important. Uh, these are not necessarily in any order. Um, the first one is to write down ahead of time what is it your main points you want to get across are. Really be very clear about the purpose of the conversation. And the, um, if you don't know the outcome, then at the very least the outcome of what you want to have expressed Write it down if you need to and have that piece of paper in front of you so that when you have the conversation, you are drawn back to what your point is. Because here's the thing about emotionally heavy conversations, it's really easy to get bogged down in that emotion. It's really easy to get worked up. It's really easy to get defensive. It's really easy to say shit you don't mean. It's very easy to get kind of wrapped up in this whirlwind. And one of the ways that we stop and breathe and and re- uh, evaluate like I was speaking about in this last, that last episode was by having in front of you the bit of paper which says, yep, I wanted to say one, two, three. I need to return to one, two, three instead of getting all kind of shook up like this. So get really clear about what the point and purpose of the conversation is so that you don't get lost in a kind of whirlwind. It's, it's really common I think in couples where you start a conversation about one thing and then it snowballs into a bunch of other stuff like, oh, and you never cooked dinner. Oh, and you never put the seat down. Oh, and you never, I don't know, whatever, right? It, it starts as one thing and it ends as another. So if you're going to have hard conversation with somebody, just be really clear about what it is you want to say and what point you're trying to get across. And by the way, don't make it 10, make it like two, and keep that conversation to the point and, and on point. This is something that's really hard for me, by the way. I find this, this skill uh, exceptionally, exceptionally difficult. Because even after I've made my point, I, I then don't want to end the conversation. So I start talking about a whole bunch of other random shit. <laughs> so not bad things, by the way, necessarily. I can get my two points across and then be like, oh, yeah. And so, you know, what did you think about that podcast the other day? And what did you think about the weather? And, would you, and I just start rambling because I, I can't kind of finish it. You know what I mean? So be really, really clear in a hard conversation about what it is that you want to get across so that you are sticking, sticking to the point of that. And the second tip that I wanted to give you is that I think one of the ways you diffuse the emotional energy of a hard conversation is right at the very beginning, admitting that it's a hard conversation and exposing a little bit of vulnerability. If you start a conversation with, hey, I really want to talk about this, but it's really hard for me to talk about this. So I might get a little bit emotional or a little bit, you know, heated up or whatever. It's just that this is a hard conversation for me. If you start with that, the other person has some forewarning. 
not necessarily about what the topic is, but about the fact that this might be hard and that maybe they need to show you a little bit of kindness or a little bit of compassion, or maybe this will require that little bit of vulnerability on their part. I think if you start a hard conversation by saying what it is and admitting your own vulnerability, you will get a really long way in that conversation. This is really hard for me, but I wanted to tell you this, or I needed to tell you this, or we got to talk about this. I think that goes super, super far. So having conversations that are hard, so freaking challenging, but so freaking worth it. Yeah. To lighten the mood in here, bit of Michelle advice. Don't bother eating healthy versions of desserts. Just eat the damn dessert. But if you're trying to be a little bit more conscious of these things, just eat less of it. The joy in dessert, if desserts are your thing, is not in eating a ton of it. It's not about eating the whole cake or the whole half dozen cupcakes. The joy is in eating something amazing. So personally, I don't understand weight loss foods that are like chocolate mousse, chocolate chip cookies, cookie bars. Seriously, just eat a little bit of mousse or a little bit of a cookie or a little bit of a cookie bar or whatever your thing is and enjoy it and eat perfectly healthy, nutritious, wonderful stuff the rest of the time. I don't understand why anybody wants to eat diet product chocolate mousse. Also, that stuff tastes like shit, but that's hardly the point. I just don't understand eating healthy versions of desserts. Like, I really don't. I'm, oh, well, I, let, me, let me be clear. It's not that I'm saying healthy versions of desserts are a bad thing. I'm just saying if you're constantly telling yourself like, oh, I need to eat the carob version of this instead of enjoy the whatever, like stop denying yourself joy. Honestly, enjoying good things in life is not about having crappier versions of them. It's about enjoying good things in life. So if you want to enjoy good things in life, like go ahead and enjoy them and just enjoy them. Like seriously. There's nobody out here who is like, no, you have to have the crappy version. Sorry. Don't have the crappy version. Just just have a bit of the good version. You're going to enjoy it a lot more. I promise. Really. So funny, right? I feel like I teach you guys half the time, like, just go do whatever the heck you want. Live your crazy life. And the other half of the year, I'm like, if you want to get anywhere in life, you got to sometimes follow boundaries and rules. <laughs> but the truth is that probably is how I lead my life, Right. There is always some amount of, I'm just going to eat the proper chocolate mousse, but I'm also going to make sure I exercise every day or pretty close, you know, as much as I possibly can, right? So I'm not going to use the word balance because we all know I think balance is bullshit, but I do think it's about making decisions, right? Like where am I going to make the effort and which direction am I going to make it, yeah? While I'm on the topic of food, My next lesson is to eat dinner as a community or as a family, if that's what you live with, as many nights a week as you can. This is something my parents did when I was growing up. We ate dinner together as a family every night. This is something I do with my own children pretty much every night. On the weekends, we're a little bit more relaxed about it. But generally speaking, we all sit down for a meal together once a day. I don't care if you have roommates. Even if you live alone, sit down and eat a proper meal, not on the couch right? I think sitting down for a meal, I I like the evening meal, but I think sitting down for a meal is a really important thing to do, particularly with the people you live with. If you live with people, I think it builds connection, which is what we're doing here. 
I think it builds appreciation for one another. And I think just generally speaking, makes your family relationships a little bit stronger. Some of the most divine conversations I've had with my kids were around the dinner table and were completely unplanned. But the planned part was that we did sit down for that meal together. This is a topic, by the way, my kids are perfectly happy to do this, but occasionally they make fun of me. So the older they've gotten, the more evening plans have gotten in the way. This one has that class. This one has this work. This one has whatever. And so there are some nights where we don't all make it to the table together, some of us missing. And they like to make fun of me and be like, you know, because I will complain, right? Oh, not complain. I'll be like, I hardly see you. You haven't been at dinner all week. Where have you been? I don't know. That's, that's not a complaint. I don't know. Anyway, so they will occasionally make fun of me and be like, oh, mom, I missed one dinner last week and you got all shitty about it. Well, firstly, I didn't get shitty about it. Secondly, it's probably because I love it so much and I enjoy it so much. And I consider that such an important part of my day and my life where we all just sit and enjoy it. And look, I'm not going to bullshit you here, okay? We're not sitting there for like three hours a night. Sometimes dinner is like 20 minutes, before one person runs in one direction, somebody else runs into another direction and everybody avoids the dishes, right? And sometimes it is a bit of a longer meal, like on a Friday night. But the habitual sitting together, I think, is something that we've lost. I think we've, as a culture, become really, very big on like, yep, yeah, going to take my coffee and muffin and run for it. And having that family dinner or community dinner every night has meant a lot to me and is something I plan on carrying on. So if you can do that, I think you should do that. It's pretty lovely, yeah? I think going for a walk every day, no matter how slow or how fast you are, is the single best thing that you can do for your mental health. Bonus is that it's good for your physical health. But I have noticed that when I go for a walk, I'm connecting with nature. I'm quieting my mind. I'm enjoying the view of things. I'm checking out my neighborhood. Like I'm seeing so much more happening in my neighborhood because I'm out and about. I'm seeing familiar faces. I'm seeing dogs that are cute. I get so much joy from walking. And it's not always far. It's not always long. I mean, maybe I should revise this, that it's not even about the walking. It's just about the getting outside, man. It makes a huge difference to my mental health. And in the last few weeks, I haven't been able to walk because I had some fairly minor surgery on some toenails, which have meant that I can't wear closed-toe shoes. And let me tell you, the fact that I can't walk every day has had a direct and significant impact on my mental health. And so much so that I actually ended up going online and ordering the ugliest pair of like sports sandals. Um, is that what they're called? I don't know. They're really terrible. It's the ones where like the bottom basically looks like a tennis shoe, but the top looks like a, like a sandal. So hopefully those are going to arrive this week because I realized that for my mental health, certainly I can't keep not walking. I really need to get back out and, and, and see the world again because it makes a huge difference to the quality of my mental health. So I think walking is just about the best exercise you can do really. The next one I have is that the biggest lie that you can say is two words and that's, I'm fine. Oh my God. It's the biggest lie we tell all day, every day to everyone. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's good. The times it's actually fine. I feel like that's very few. I don't feel like there's a lot of times when it's fine, but we've become really good at just saying, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Yep. Yep. Fine. 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 Oh my God. Erase the word fine. When 
I got together with my partner. He's from the Netherlands. And there's a thing there where <laughs> people are like super direct and stuff, which no wonder he and I get along. Big surprise there. But anyway, I learned very quickly that there's like this kind of cultural unspoken rule that people don't ask how are you unless they actually want a proper answer or they really want to know. So whereas in, in other Western cultures, uh, the US and Australia, it's really common to be like, hey, how are you? You know, and, and you don't really care, right? So you just want that person to go, yeah, I'm good, thanks, cool, yeah, I'm fine. <sighs> but in, in Dutch culture, if they say, how are you? They actually want to know, how are you? And so, uh, which is funny because I've always answered that question. <laughs> I don't think I'm somebody who says I'm fine terribly often or I'm good. You know, I'm not. If I answer you with I'm good, it probably means you and I are not terribly close. That's actually more accurate. I think if, if you say like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay, now all of you are panicking like, wait, have Michelle and I ever had that conversation? So yeah, I, I will say I'm good sometimes when I am truly good, but generally speaking, I will give a longer answer. But I think it's a big lie we, we tell people when we say I'm fine or I'm good or whatever, and we're not really. We assume the other person doesn't care or doesn't want to hear or doesn't want to whatever. And for, I don't do it now, but for a couple of years when people used to say like, how are you? My answer used to be like, do you really want to know or you just want the short answer? <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, I probably still do say that. So yeah, I think we lie when we say I'm fine or I'm good. And we don't give the other person the opportunity to, we don't let them into our lives when we just say I'm fine or I'm good. Now, sometimes you don't want to let them into your life, okay? It's like the train conductor or like the hairdresser or whatever. Perfectly cool. But when it's somebody who truly matters to you, I think it's worth answering with something other than I'm good or I'm fine, assuming you have the time to do so, yeah? I think it's a really big lie that people say, I'm fine, I'm good. Really? Are you? I don't know that you are. Or maybe you're great. Maybe it goes the other way. How often do you dampen your enthusiasm or your happiness because you feel like the other person isn't going to want to hear it? You feel like the other person will think you're bragging. You think the other person is going to think you're full of yourself, whatever. This goes back a little bit to what I said about like parenthood is way more fun than you think. I really like it, but I often feel like I'm not allowed to say it because the other person is going to be like, oh, well, aren't you lucky you don't need a case of wine tonight? Like, I'm worried that the reaction is not going to be good. So I feel like sometimes, sometimes we really do just say I'm fine because we don't want to say we're great, not because we don't want to say we're bad. So it kind of works in both directions, you know? Okay. So on that same note, next lesson from your great aunt Michelle is that most in misunderstandings come from talking too much and listening too little. When you have an agenda in your head, I am guilty of this, by the way, all the time. When you have an agenda in your head or you have a history in your head of a relationship with somebody or whatever, in a conversation, it can be really hard to actually listen and instead talk. Elizabeth Gilbert has a take on this. I don't totally agree with, but I'm going to share it, where she says, I'm paraphrasing here, something to the effect of when somebody interrupts you, it's them rudely telling you that what they have to say is more important than anything you could ever say. Now, I don't totally agree with that. Um, I, I really don't. I think sometimes interrupting is okay. Sometimes I interrupt myself case in point just then. Um, but what I, mean, what I mean by this is that a lot of the times we don't let the other person finish their full thought. And I am guilty of this a lot. 
I think fairly quickly and I think fairly quickly on my feet. And so sometimes I'll only hear the first part of what somebody is saying. And while they're finishing that thought or finishing that expression, I am mentally speaking, have written, revised, rewritten and submitted my defense in my head. So, you know, they say the first part of something and mentally I'm doing incredible gymnastics for how I'm going to respond to them, what I'm going to say to that, what point I definitely want to get across, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I then end up in a misunderstanding because they get halfway through what they want to say. I've written this whole story in my head of how I'm going to respond. And I just start responding that way. And the person is like, wait, wait a second. You didn't hear the second part of what I said, or you didn't fully hear me, or you didn't fully listen to me. This is a lesson I don't think I'll ever stop learning. I think the ability to listen more than we talk is actually a muscle and one that we can exercise and improve over time. I'm terrible at this, but I'm getting better at this. So maybe I should say that. Maybe instead of saying I'm terrible at this, I'm going to say this is something I'm learning to do better. This is something I'm getting better at, right? Misunderstandings, I think, come from talking too much and listening Far, far too little. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you guys heard that a second ago, but right as I was finishing my sentence, my kids came home. They were all out together and they all started, <laughs> they all came in the door and started yelling, Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Clearly, I should have put like a just recording sign on the door or something. So I temporarily stopped recording, but you might hear a little bit of kitties in the background saying hello. Not a bad thing, right? They're as much of this podcast story as anybody else's. So just so you know, they all say, hi, mom, to you too. <laughs> all right, we've nearly reached the end of our list. So here we go. Uh, we talked about misunderstandings and how it's about talking too much and listening too little, and I'm still working on that. Okay. The other one is that toast cereal and other breakfast foods are in fact mislabeled as breakfast foods and they should just be considered all day foods because that's what they are. You should eat them all day. I personally quite like having cereal for dinner and afternoon tea and morning snack and, and like actually breakfast and sometimes lunch and then I'll have it for a snack afterwards as well. So honestly, anything that's currently labeled a breakfast food in my mind is mislabeled a breakfast food and should just be all day food. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to share with you guys um, is actually that we forget, part of what makes us happy is understanding and owning what makes us happy and not caring how much other people care about it, right? So I've, I've touched on this probably a number of times, but I wanted to give you perhaps a funny example from my own life. So I really like drinking milk. Like I particularly like drinking milk. But if I drink a glass of milk at work or if I order a glass of milk in a cafe, people look at me a bit weird as like adults drink milk. I freaking love milk. I literally drink a shitload of milk every week. And so I will happily order a glass of milk. Now, I also happen to be a big fan of cookies. Like I freaking love cookies, pretty much all cookies. But in particular, I like the gingerbread men that you get at cafes. So it is not at all unusual for me to go to brunch or something with a girlfriend and she's over here like oh the skinny latte with soy milk extra hot please and or whatever and she'll have it like with a i don't know a slice of something or other fancy brownie whatever something something and i'm like hi can i have a glass of milk and a gingerbread man 
And like, no shit, people look at me and laugh at that. This happens to me with all kinds of friends in all kinds of situations, right? Like they're over here having like green tea and a slice of chia bread. And I'm like, hi, can I have a glass of milk with ice, please? And a gingerbread man, right? So the lesson I've learned is that like, sometimes in the small things, you just have to own what makes you happy and go with it, right? I really like sprinkles on my ice cream. I really like Disney movies. I mostly think alcohol tastes like shit and coffee is overrated. But so what, man, right? Just like what you like, own what you like, and ignore people who are going to look at you judgy. And so they look at you judgy. So what? The joy and love you're going to get from that glass of milk and gingerbread man is way, way bigger than the non-joy you're going to get from ordering something on that menu that's kind of like more grown-up-y. And by the way, this is true for me and sugar. I do drink coffee on occasion. And I'm like, hi, can I have a latte with six sugars <laughs> or four sugars or whatever? And every time they're like, sorry, you want how much? I'm sorry, how many? Yes, I said four sugars, like big ones, not those stupid ones that come in the packet. Okay? So just like what you like, enjoy what you like and own it. And I guess it does relate a little bit to my earlier thing about just order the burger, right? But it's not. that's not really what I mean. I mean more that... There are so many small, simple pleasures in life that we deny ourselves because we worry about what other people are going to think or what we think it looks uncool or whatever. And I just think, man, it so doesn't matter what people think of me. Okay, so you want to have a bit of a giggle over my very, you know, childlike chocolate milk, Disney movies and gingerbread men? Cool. You do you, man. I'm going to do me. And that's it, right? And lastly, I think, as I wrap up this list of lessons and things and I think about and things I've learned as I head towards year 45, you know, I think you never really stop learning more about yourself and other people. And I, you know, I think there's a little bit for me of a misconception about how elderly or old, not that I'm elderly, but how older people become more and more narrow-minded, like they become less and less willing to be accepting. And I actually think... Certainly in my experience, the opposite is true for me. The more I've lived, the more I've experienced, the more people I've met, the more my life has changed and evolved, the more open-minded and accepted I have accepting I have become about so many things. I do think it's true that as I get older, I'm probably less willing to put up with bullshit. That's probably true. And I probably care less about general niceties overall. But I think there's really something to be said for the wisdom and lessons and acceptance and openness and understanding that getting older brings us, right? The more, I'm exp- I, the more I choose to expose myself to a wider world and different people and new experiences, the more I, I learn and the more I can appreciate and the more I can understand and the more I can kind of get out there and go, oh, I didn't get this before, but I get this now. And there are so many topics on which I previously might've been judgy or I previously might've been ignorant or I previously might've had a certain way of thinking of. And now that I've been gotten the chance to be exposed to those things, the more I've learned about those things and the more I've become to appreciate them. I might still not agree with them, but I can understand them a little bit. Like a really good example is the use of, of gender pronouns and stuff. The first time somebody introduced themselves and told me that their gender pronoun was they, I was like, it's, it's what? 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 Uh, it wasn't that I didn't agree with it. I just didn't understand it. And I was like, what? I just didn't get it. Now, I'm not going to lie. To these, this day and age, I still don't totally get it, right? It's still something I'm learning. But I've accepted that that's part of that person's reality and that person's life. And I've gone, okay, I don't necessarily get this. This is a fast-moving, fast-changing 
thing as well. But the important thing is not whether or not I get it or even whether or not I accept it. The important thing is my willingness to learn and discover more about it and get to a stage where I can willingly say, I don't totally get this. Can you help me? I don't totally understand this. Can you, can you teach me this? Whatever. So I think if we all do our best to remember that the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the better people we become and the more colorful and interesting and, and deep and rich our lives can become, right? So let's just remember that, that you never stop learning about yourself and other people. And, you know, maybe if I do this next year, my lessons will be different. But either way, the lessons are the lessons and cereal is still a good food 24 hours a day. Thank you so much for listening to the Just Michelle Talking Podcast this year. It's been really a challenge for me and it's been a pleasure and a joy for me. And I've really enjoyed the connections it's, it's made for me, both online and in person. And I've just really loved it. It, it hasn't always been easy. I don't think I still have... I was going to say I don't have a point. Maybe it's that. Maybe I, I still don't have a central theme that this podcast measures around and there's part of me that feels that maybe that's necessary. But I started out with the intention that this would be just me talking and that's all it's been until now. A little bit of life lessons, a little bit of stories, a whole lot of me laughing at myself, a whole lot of sharing. And that's how I intend for it to continue. And if you are like the people who have told me that you feel like it's you and I just hanging out together, I'm really happy about that. I'm really glad we get to hang out together in whatever corner of the world we are hanging out together in. That brings me immense joy. And I'm just going to keep going. And I'm just going to see what happens. So I will catch you in 2021 with a whole lot of new episodes. As I said, I intend probably to start publishing again in February so that I have a good long proper break off and next year life is going to change again as I introduce my partner into my family, as I start back at university again, as I continue to do my job and enjoy it and, and hang out with my amazing colleagues. And as life begins again in the very next chapter of Michelle's Great Adventures. So we'll see what happens with all of that. In the meantime, not just for this holiday season, but for all time, may you be happy May you be healthy, may you be safe, and may you be at peace. Thank you ever so much for being a part of my life.